Hi, I'm Jen Gibson, and this is Brain Weasels. This episode was recorded at Wolfman Studios in Little Rock, Arkansas. I have a disclaimer. I am not a mental health professional, nor is anyone on today's show. This episode is more about personal journeys. If you are struggling, I hope this show helps you. With me today is Christy Seats. She is co-hosting for as long as she can stand me. And today's guest is Kristen Carr. She's a teacher at the Arkansas Museum of Fine Arts, and she is here to tell us about her journey with both physical and mental disabilities. Welcome back to Brain Weasels. I'm here with my co-host, Christy Seats. Hi. <laughs> I love how you say hi in such a sweet, delicate voice. Yeah. Uh, um, and we're here with Kristen Carr. Am I saying it right? Kristen Andrews Carr. Kristen Andrews Carr. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, nice to meet you. It's it's so good to have you here. And you are a teacher with the Arkansas Museum of Fine Arts, yes. right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to know about about uh, uh, your classes that you're teaching. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, hmm, I should have them all memorized, but it's entirely <laughs> printmaking. Okay. Uh, I teach uh, printmaking courses. Right now we're focusing on relief classes. I have two different beginner level relief courses available that you can sign up for online and i'm also going to be doing some um summer courses for kids coming up we're going to do like character design and uh um i think we're doing a monster design class that's they're gonna have like a summer camp thing i'll be doing that i'm pumped it's gonna be a blast fun uh well and i should tell my audience uh as they're probably aware by now um we're doing crafts and arts um while we're talking to people so today we're going to be sketching since that's your thing um and uh i am terrible at this um so mine will be just a mess here's here's the not to interrupt you i'm sorry i will Uh, (laughs) the beautiful thing about sketching is you don't have to be good at it Uh, something i tell my students constantly which drives them insane is uh a lot of people most people expect that you put the pen to paper and perfection flows out but that's Mm -hmm. not how anything works (laughs) so (laughs) you have to be crap at it first to get anywhere near good at it i wish somebody would have told me that when i was a child i'm telling you that now (laughs) (laughs) Now. i'd be so much further now But I really appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, it's, it's the brain weasels again that telling you that you're no good. Um, yeah. yeah. And when the truth is that no one's good when you first start. Um, I I feel like I'm particularly bad, <laughs> but I know that's that's uh, that's the brain weasels telling me that. But um, but I also may just be really bad and that's OK. At <laughs> least I'm trying. And then you got to consider too, like what is bad and good in comparison good. to what yeah. you want from what you're doing, right? Yeah. Like, are you trying to get into the Louvre? Cause yeah, maybe it's bad. <laughs> are you just sketching to pass the time? And because it's something that you like to do with your hands, who cares? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to, so I, hopefully, you know, you like to fidget and stuff and, and sketch Constantly. whenever you're, yeah. See, a lot of people <laughs> like to draw whenever they're talking. Um, and I always assumed whenever I was a kid that that's why there was a pad of paper next to the tele- telephone. Yeah. <laughs> I would always just doodle. I mean, yeah. In my household, my mom always, we had the same pad against our telephone, either on the wall or on the counter. Mm-hmm constantly covered in the weirdest little doodles usually flowers yeah (laughs) flowers are easy so (laughs) go straight to it (laughs) yeah yeah um so tell me a little bit let's talk about your background a little bit um how did you um get into the arts well um i think most artists will say this but like i have 
been drawing ever since I was uh, capable of holding something to make marks with. Hmm. Um, I've always just deeply enjoyed it and I never stopped. And I think from there, like, you know, you get to high school, everyone's talking about careers and things like that. And I didn't really know what it was that I could do. I knew that I was supposed to be making money, which was scary. And everyone told me I couldn't do that with art. Um, and hey, yeah, that's still <laughs> partially true. Um, but you know, um, it didn't stop me. I kept going. And um, yeah, I guess, you know, that just led to me going to college for art and graduating with a degree in printmaking, a BFA in printmaking. And then led me to the Arkansas Museum of Fine Art. Which is awesome. Um, so you had told me over the phone about uh, one sketch. <clears throat> I can't remember now what it's called, but um, one sketch class that you that you mm-hmm. do. Um, I think it's called vent sketching. Vent sketching. Yeah. yeah. Vent drawings. So drawing. uh, a lot of artists that do like illustrative work, comics, things like that. We'll do vent art. I think a lot of, I think any of us would though. It's any art that you make during a difficult period in, in your life, be that something mm-hmm. really heavy or something that's just mildly irritating. Let's say you stub your toe and you're a comic artist. Well, mm-hmm. I'll draw a, a, a dinky little drawing of myself stubbing her toe and cursing about it. I feel a little better after that. That's like basic, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then you can get in, more into things like stuff that's affected your life in heavy ways. Um, and you can create art based around that to kind of as a catharsis right like as a way to release some of that uh struggle yeah well and you hear a lot about that with with kids um uh crisis crayons i think they call it i heard heard that crisis crayons wow (laughs) that was that actually is something that i heard on bob's burger so i don't know if that's something that is no that needs to exist it is a thing now crisis crayons I brought the yes. crisis crayons um yeah <laughs> i'll bring the crisis crayons next time um but yeah so i'm gonna try to do event drawing um i'm trying to think of something that's really uh, i'm gonna draw myself on the camera because <laughs> i was i was running a camera yesterday and uh it was exhausting. It, it wasn't even that long, but um, there's just something about standing there on an Apple box for, you know, <clears throat> four hours. It's just something draining. about standing for four hours full stop. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just draining. So I could totally vent about that. Um, uh, so that's what I'm going to try to do. That's what I'm going to attempt to do while we're, we're talking. All right. Um, like I said, it's going to be terrible. It won't be. <laughs> um, so tell me about um, your struggles that you've been that you've been going through. Like we can talk about your back or um, whatever, wherever you want to start. Yeah, um, I'll talk about the main project that I've been working on for many years. So <clears throat> first and foremost, most working artists are capable of. Well, that might be unfair to say. A lot of artists will churn out work consistently right a lot of artists that I know respect and admire might tell you that to become better you have to draw daily the thing is is that that does not work for everybody it absolutely does not work for me I am a disabled artist I have um chronic fatigue I'm ADHD I have depression you know it goes on and on it's a great list I love it mm-hmm. um but when I was 28 um my spine my cervical spine which is the spine that goes the part that goes through your neck <clears throat> 
completely gave out. Uh, I lost. Uh, so three, three of my discs blew. What that means, so your spine has these little, you know, little segments. And in between those segments are these cushions, what they call discs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, think of like a gel insole in a shoe, right? Mm-hmm. So if they get squished too much, they blow. And that the gel from the inside of your little cushion squeezes into your nerve endings that run down your spine. It causes immense pain. It can also uh, slowly make it so that you can't move that limb it's affecting anymore or in the way it's supposed to. So I was 28 years old. <laughs> I lost three discs in my spine at 3 in the morning. Um, it was intense pain, most pain I've ever felt. Um, very nearly passed out. I, mm. I, I learned that day that I have a high pain tolerance because I'd been dealing with pain for a long time and didn't realize that that was what it was chronic pain because if you feel pain daily at any level yeah that's chronic pain mm-hmm. but i'd been ignoring it for so long um you're used to it you get used to it yeah that's that pain is just existence <laughs> it's a it's a hum in the background mm-hmm. right yeah and uh it might like my right hand had been going numb and i started noticing that because that was weird i would be doing nothing and my hand would just start to go numb but yeah so I woke up, I tried to go get some ibuprofen from the cabinet. Suddenly the tunnel vision starts coming in and I'm like, oh, cool, this isn't good. So I sit down, I couldn't, I was in so much pain I could not yell, but I had my phone on my hand. So I called my wife who answered the phone, very confused. I tell her I need her, she comes in, she sees me sitting on the uh, couch cross-legged, looks at me and goes, uncross your legs. I went, okay, she put your feet on the floor. I went, okay. She says, I'm taking you to the hospital. You are white as a sheet. Oh. Because I was that close to passing out. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Thankfully, we didn't have to go to the hospital. We called uh, an ambulance, and uh, they checked me out, and they couldn't tell me what was wrong. And for, like, a week straight, no one could tell me what was wrong, but I was in the most pain I'd ever been, and I couldn't sleep. And this became really difficult later on. I couldn't draw. Like... My hand was going numb and would hurt, and so I couldn't clench. And at at some point, I couldn't feel the pressure from my tool on paper. So I couldn't gauge how thick my lines would be, and nothing was coming out right. And, you know, I I have depression as well, and boy, (laughs) it hits hard when you are 28 and suddenly you can't do something you've done your entire life. Yeah. Finally, they got me an MRI, and they found that I had the three-disc blown. Um, (laughs) I was able to get in fairly quickly with a neurosurgeon, because it turns out, and I've been told by a, um, we have a family friend who, um, oh, what are they called? Radiologists? People who look at x-rays? Yeah. He called my dad back after looking at mine and said, I don't want to freak you out, but your daughter has a spine of a, an 85-year-old woman. <laughs> mm. So I had always been a very strong upper body girl, right? Like I lift things, no problems, nothing. Mm. So I'm, I'm in my late 20s. I'm being told that I have an old woman's spine. I suddenly can't do the thing that I've done my entire life. And after my surgery, or right before my surgery, I went in to talk to my neurosurgeon. He told me, you know, the surgery, if it goes well, it should be great. You can't lift 10 pounds after this. And I went, oh, okay, until I heal. And he said, no, for the rest of your life, you do not need to lift anything that's over 10 pounds. Um, so, yeah, that hit me really hard. Um, I'm sure. And it's scary, you know, it's already scary when you're in your late 20s. I think in general, you just feel like 
you're at a loss you don't know where you're going sometimes mm-hmm. and especially the way things can be and but to have those things just kind of taken from me <laughs> was especially frightening um thankfully after my surgery I healed fairly quickly um and I retrained myself to draw and the first drawing that turned out good was um it's a drawing of a, a headless woman standing amongst uh, kudzu vines and she's got she's been over and she's trying to find her head but mm. she's trapped all by these kudzu vines and it kind of suddenly dawned on me that that was something I wanted to keep doing it was a great it made me happy for for me I felt it was a great drawing considering I felt like I'd lost all that I had yeah and from there I started working on the series uh, involving kudzu honeysuckle sometimes wild local flowers sometimes local wildlife to represent the disabilities that I struggle with and um, how I grapple with them. One of the first things I had to learn is that I don't work like other artists. The other artists, to tie back to what I was saying, the other artists who are able to do it daily and, and get stuff turned out, I admire that and I respect that and I think it's great for them. If I try to do that, I end up hurting myself. Mm. Yeah. And I had to learn that things take longer for me and that's okay. So still working on that project and currently I'm working on a big print um it's my spine uh and it's going to be a two-plate process print which I can explain later (laughs) but one block that's carved out of wood is going to be my spine and the other is kudzu vines they're going to be growing through oh wow I bet that's going to be beautiful I hope so (laughs) I'm sure it will I'm excited it's coming along yeah yeah, that's great. It reminds me of Frida Kahlo, you know. Oh, yes. Her... I wish I was as tough as Frida Kahlo. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I had a, I had a, I'm so sorry, um, a friend say, you're like, be like Frida Kahlo. And I'm like, hey, love you. <laughs> <laughs> she had like rebar go through her body. Like, uh, I, don't... <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> she was tough. She's yeah. tough as nails. Yeah, yeah. But her artwork, you know, reflected her pain and um all the stuff that she was going through so i think it's kind of similar i like that you're doing that um but um you know mental health and so we're you know we're talking about mental health um is connected to physical health as well Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. do you think um is depression more of an issue for you with uh with a disability (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I it's I think it's hard to quantify. Yeah. You know, because everybody experiences disability differently. Um for some folks, you know, it might be a minor thing, for others it's a major thing. And um for me, I will say I I'm incredibly lucky that I have a huge safety net of family and friends who love me dearly, who I can rely on during really rough times. I'm very lucky. I'm lucky in that I, um, I have a home that I'm not at risk of losing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I've got a wonderful wife who takes good care of me. But you know, even with that, there are days where depression can be um, heavy. I think it's made worse sometimes with ADHD specifically, um, mm-hmm. because with ADHD, one of the you know, things you deal with is losing the ability to focus on things that you love. Like mm-hmm. you, your hyper-focus bounces or it's just non-existent. And suddenly you are frozen with decision paralysis. You don't know where to begin because everything's equally important in your brain. 
So my house is always messy mm-hmm. because I need to clean, but which which clean do I begin? <laughs> you know, like mm. where do I start? And depression, um, as I'm sure y'all know, is very similar in that it there are times where your body goes, nah, no, we're staying in bed today. Mm. Yeah, we can't do it. We can't. I, uh, you know, in fact, you really would rather just lay here and stare at the ceiling. And sometimes it's hard to find which, you know, which of those things is affecting what, or you know. It, it, it can be difficult. Um, I found for me, when I'm in my hardest spots, usually I go straight to somebody I love dearly and say, hey, it's a hard day. Or, hey, mm. I'm, I'm struggling especially bad right now. Uh, I just want to let you know, and I love you. Because that person then will respond kindly and give me a little encouragement. And sometimes just knowing that I've made that connection, that I've let somebody know, helps me stand up and go. Mm. Sometimes. Yeah, and then art as well. well. Yeah, it's it's interesting because art. Um, that's when we talk about vent art. So I remember, like, um, art art is hard for me sometimes just to sit and do, but the some of my some of the things that I've drawn that stand out most are related to tough days where I just needed to sit down and get something on paper, like a diary, mm-hmm. you know. I remember <laughs> I was uh, fresh out of high school, and I uh, waited to go to college and to get, you know, all the big kid stuff done about a year and a half. But my other friends did not, and they were all ahead of me. Mm. Uh, and I used to, like, before we graduated or during the summer after we graduated, we used to spend, like, every day with each other till like, one in the morning sitting out in the car talking, things like that. And suddenly they couldn't do that anymore. And I knew why, you know, I understood why, but I felt so alone and left behind. I have a drawing, I still have it. Um, it's not very good. I'd be, you can scold me about my own, with my own stuff uh-huh. if you want to. <laughs> but it means a lot to me. Um, it's a little drawing of myself the way I used to draw myself. As a little girl, surrounded by a bunch of toys that are just kind of discarded, holding. Um, I have this big stuffed panther that I use as a pillow and she's holding that and saying where did everybody go and i mm-hmm. uh, i think that's because it helped a lot to look at it that way you know also to take a moment and say all right maybe we're being a little dramatic like perhaps mm-hmm. perhaps your friends lives are you know important too and you need to chill and pump the brakes and breathe a bit mm-hmm. but that's how i felt like a little kid whose friends suddenly went away yeah and uh of course that wasn't the case i still have those friends they're yeah. still very close to me, but but that's how you felt. That's how mm-hmm. I felt, and that's the thing about vent art is that, and and feelings in general. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you feelings you can't control, you don't know when they're gonna decide to make you feel not good. Putting it on paper, um, like I said before, it's it's cathartic. You know, you put it down, you look at it, and you go, okay, there it is. Mm-hmm. I, I I at least recognize that I'm feeling this thing right now, and sometimes it makes it easier to move past. Yeah. Um, what do you see from your students whenever they do their oh, vent man. art? I love. Um, so I have um, always mixed reactions. <laughs> it's a, So this is for specifically my sketchbook journaling class. I used to do it over Zoom. This was during early days of the pandemic and all that. Um, and I, I warned them on the first day of class. 
uh, we on this day are going to have a session where we talk about event art. It's going to be heavy. There's going to be some some topics here that might be kind of uh, you know emotional. I'm going to give a short mm-hmm. um, um, lecture about the work that I'm doing in regards to my disabilities and how that works. You do not have to be there, and you do not have to make art for this. If you want to, please do. Another note, they never have to share their sketchbook journaling stuff with me if they don't want to. I ask at the beginning of every class, hey, let's see where, we'll start with each person. What have you worked on? Let's talk about it. If they don't want to, they can privately message me and say, "I'm pass me. And I pass mm. them. We don't say anything about it. Especially when it comes to the Vin art, because Vin art is often so personal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sometimes you don't want to sit in front of a bunch of strangers and spill all your feelings. But a lot of my students, so some of them didn't show up. Some of them stopped showing up after that, which uh, always broke my heart a little bit. But the thing that mattered most to me is that the people it meant something to, they stuck around and they told me it meant something. There was a woman older than me by, I, th- I think, about 10, 15 years. Um, and she uh, was a, a well-off lady. She had a, a career. She had a nice home. She was happy. And she, I don't remember, I, actually, I don't remember the assignment. I'm not certain if she showed it to me. But I remember afterwards her telling me that she had recently been diagnosed with a panic disorder mm. and that it just, the way it just came onto her all the time was, was made her feel alienated. Like she suddenly felt like she's crazy and no one understood. But listening to the Vin art session and then having a moment where she was able to create her own made her kind of feel more capable of embracing herself and accepting the, the things that she's dealing with and also led her to realize that she's not alone. Yeah. in these bad feelings and she's the person that I do that for right like her and I, I've had young I always have like often have teens in the class and I've had I can't go into it but we had one kid who was just wonderful and they took on that class and that assignment wholeheartedly and shared it and it was their, their work was very impactful um uh I would want their permission before talking about it other than that. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's who you do it for, you know? Mm-hmm. And then knowing that you've helped even a little bit somebody understand themselves better and feel less afraid of talking about the things they struggle with and interacting with those things, that that's a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only that, you maybe gave them a good coping skill that they so. can they can use in the future. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. That's great. <laughs> um so audience, look, uh, next time you're having a really bad day, try drawing it out and see how you feel. It's okay if it's ugly. It's okay, yeah. It doesn't have to be pretty. Yeah. You can just and draw I... scribbly scribble. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Mine is scribbly scribble. Um, I'll show you mine yeah. later. It's just a scribbly, scribbly camera. <laughs> this is camera. I have a, so... a lighthearted vent art that I can <laughs> share if that's okay. Yeah. It does have a, a can, can, it has an F bomb. Is that okay? Can I say? Can I share it? Yeah, we I can beep to, it out. Can beep it out. Okay, we're gonna beep me. Okay, <laughs> it's fine. I I used to work at a place where I was uh, a front desk person who answered phones all day long. People were terrible. It's the worst job I'd ever had in terms of customer service. Folks were mean. Um, <laughs> so we had this one woman who would not leave us alone, just back to back to back to back, screaming at us. And I pulled out my sketchbook and I drew with my pen. Um, a telephone and it had, they had those like 
curly Q wires. And it's just a mass, a, a, a rat's nest of curly Q wires. And underneath it just said, fuck. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and it was great. That's all I needed. <laughs> that's all I needed. <laughs> it felt so much better. My coworker next to me, I'm like, look. She's like, uh-huh. <laughs> it did the job. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. that's all it is. <laughs> it's just one big fuck. Um, I love that. Um, so, uh, and I lost my train of thought. See, this is the that's problem with. No. <laughs> <laughs> Interrupted you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, that's kind of the problem with um, trying to do art while we're talking is, uh, start to to lose focus a little bit mm-hmm. it's it's funny how sometimes uh, or for some people it is helpful to have something to do to occupy part of your brain while you're focusing and it's that's the case for me sometimes um just because i get nervous and that can be a way to um prevent my brain from going into disaster mode, you know, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. panic mode. Um, is because now I've got to focus on two things. So Grounding. I can't, yeah. And I, you know, I can't focus on the fear, um, uh, on the nerves. So, um, so it can be beneficial, but the, the opposite side is that I lose track of what I was going to say. Um, so, uh, crisis crayons, now I just that's all I can think about now is I want some crisis crayons it's honestly a great like instead of darn or shoot crisis crayons (laughs) crisis crayons (laughs) (laughs) um so when were you diagnosed with ADHD um it was a fight um and my parents are wonderful uh people but they were afraid a diagnosis would mean that i'd be treated differently Mm. which is fair this was you know i'm 34 so this would have (laughs) been they knew early on that i had adhd but they were just my dad had been diagnosed young and was Mm. treated badly by the people who diagnosed him he said he felt like a science experiment and he did not want that to happen to me so i had to fight for it i didn't get diagnosed uh, i was diagnosed um diagnosed multiple times with it uh 10th grade first because i had a biology teacher um who backed me up and helped me get diagnosed because she was also adhd and then later in life um i had to get diagnosed again because the doctor's office was going to it turns out they were um mm, they got in trouble for some fraud the people who ran it it was a privately owned place wild stuff but um and then i had to go and get re-diagnosed which was uh horrifying um i went to a different psychiatrist and he didn't really do anything other than say, yeah, yeah, that seems right. And then one last time, a handful of years ago, I went to um, UAMS and to get a new psychiatrist. And he's like, we need to diagnose you in our system. And I'm like, great, here comes that panic again. What if I'm not ADHD? What if I'm just dumb? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so mean. Mm-hmm. But your brain does yeah. mean things to you sometimes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, no, yeah, no, I'm... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ADD as, as, as all hell. Um, they sit you in front of this, they had my test, and it's, uh, from what I understand, it's different depending on where you are and where you go. But they had this computer and like a, a trigger button that you would press, and it's like a game. And there's a, in, in, in this little black box, there's a red dot and a white dot. They could both be white, I don't remember. They're dots. <laughs> when it was on the top of the screen, you press the button. 
if it was in the middle or the bottom, you don't press the button. That's it. That's all. And you sit there. I think it was only like, it wasn't that long. It felt like it went on forever. And I went in thinking, man, I like games and stuff. I'm going to be good at this. And then I'm not going to be ADHD just by, because I'm good at games. No, no. Yeah. Um, by the end of like, however long it was, I was beginning to feel panicky because I couldn't focus all of a sudden on staring at the screen. Yeah. Um, so when I got the results back and went to talk to my, uh, psychiatrist, um, (laughs) I'm like, did I, did I do like good or, you know, like, did am I, did I pass, you know? And he looks at me and goes, oh yeah, no, you're, you are ADD. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are. (laughs) Okay. So yeah. Okay. Multi-diagnosed ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, you were talking about some of the the things that that you know the the problems that that causes, um, as far as focusing on tasks and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. does art sort of give you something to focus on? That's or it's complicated. Um, okay. Sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can sit down and and create, and it's great. Other times, I want badly to sit down and create, but I can't. Um, that's, those are really the more exhausting days when I very badly want to do something, anything, but I just, I can't make myself do it. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's because our, our brains are just wired that way. They, you know, um, there is a comic artist who goes by ADHD alien. She's, she's so cute. All of her comics are so sweet. They're very accurate in discussing ADHD and what it's like to have it. Mm-hmm. One of her comics, um, she talks about how her partner came home from work and was like, oh, you told me you would clean the oven today and the dishes and nothing's done. And she says, listen, I want to do that. And she used it. She explained it like um, when you are cleaning something, you have one button you press, a single button that says, I'm cleaning now. We're starting. When I need to do it, it's covered in buttons and not just buttons, but doodads and, and little keys and things that I have to, and it takes all of my mental energy to get those things pressed so I can begin. Hmm. And that's one thing. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, there's actually another thing that people uh, uh, who are ADHD, a phrase they use called ADHD tax. So I'm sure everyone at least has forgotten to pay a bill at least once. Mm. If you're ADHD and you probably suffer with short-term memory problems, and you will be very forgetful because your brain is going. You're always next thing. Um, <laughs> so ADHD taxes. Oh man, I forgot to get my uh, license plate sticker updated. I forgot to um, pay this bill that I need to pay. Man, I've been putting off going to the dentist so long that now I need to get a tooth pulled. Mm. You, as an ADHD person, end up paying more than the average person. Because, you know, why? First off, it, you know, of course it's not going to work for you, but there isn't really any grace there for people who are constantly mm-hmm. forgetting. Yeah. So you pay you pay more. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It affects you in a lot of ways, and that not only affects your day to day bills and cleaning, it also affects the things you love, yeah. your art, your relationships, um, your life, your health, everything. Yeah. It really affects your confidence you feel like absolutely a a loser you feel like a failure is the word i was looking for you know because of that tax you pay 
you know, you, it puts you behind, you know, it's like, I'm not really an adult. I'm not keeping up with, I'm not a responsible person because X, Y, Z, but it's the ADHD. I'm the little kid. My friends aren't here. Why aren't they here? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, that's actually another thing that's very common with ADHD is something called RSD, which is short for rejection sensitive dysphoria. Oh boy, am I familiar with that? Oh hey, friend. <laughs> hey. Are you an ADHD pal? I am. Hello. <laughs> so good to see you. Good to meet you. Um, um, it's like you just found out you're the members of the same club. I had a feeling because I kept seeing that, <laughs> like the, the yeah, the nodding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, like oh, yeah, oh, I all right, that. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know who you are. Um, so RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria. It's um, People with anxiety feel it. it. It isn't just an ADHD mm-hmm. thing. You know, folks with autism can as well. Yep. It's it's basically you, like, let's see, say you and I were talking, and I said, um, I like your drawing. I'm working on mine right now. And you went, oh, that's nice. And that's it. And you looked back at yours. RSD might make me think, she like my drawing. She didn't like it. Oh, she glanced at it and went, that's nice. Went back to hers. I, she said I, it in a certain tone. She, the tone, the tone. <laughs> your friend's having a bad day and you come up to your friend and say, how you doing? And they're like, I'm fine. And you go, okay. And they're like, sorry, I, I'm, I, I, I gotta go take care of something. And you're like, yeah, yeah. They don't like me. I'm the worst. Mm. I'm awful. And you know, logically, you understand mm. that is not true, you know, but you don't feel it. And those feelings are intense and they come from growing up in a society, in a place that makes you feel less than because you're not on top of everything like everyone else is because the world around us wants us to work the same as everyone else as neurotypical people do. Mm-hmm. And even then, I don't think neurotypical people work best in the way that some of these things are set up. But ADHD people, anyone with a disability, we fall behind because it's not made for us. Mm-hmm. And we're so used to disappointing people too. Because yeah. another thing too, when you're ADHD, you might be... You might seem incredibly capable in some ways. You might have a good day where you're just on top of it. Hyperfocus kicks in in the way you want it to and not the way you don't want it to. You get all your stuff done within an hour. People are singing your praises. You're charming. Your bosses love that. And then a month later, you're having a really bad time. You can't focus on anything. You keep messing up. You keep forgetting. And your boss comes up to you and says, what happened? Where I, you know, you were so good before. I don't understand. That happens to people as children all the time Mm -hmm. and that's what creates things like rsd that's what creates those bad feelings and that some a lot of that negative self-talk because you're so used to messing up you tell yourself that that's what you are when i was in high school i was convinced i was stupid because i couldn't pass my classes i managed barely to graduate in college uh at first Things were incredibly difficult. Um, I was struggling with depression in ways that I hadn't before. And ADHD was awful. I wasn't medicated at the time. I was trying to get better on my own. Ignoring, grow out of it. It's fine. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I did well in college. I made the chancellor's list I never had before. Cried over that because I thought I was stupid for years. And I get this paper. It tells me I'm not. Mm-hmm. But I had to have uh, one of my professors... Um, he pulled me aside because I was struggling in his class. And he said, you seem bright. You seem like you're capable of this. And I just want to know why you're struggling. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's nothing. It's just I need to work harder. And he goes, well, tell me why it is that you're struggling specifically with working harder and all that. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, it's nothing, but I'm ADD. So and he stopped me. And I'd never, all of the teachers up till this point, for the most part, save for like 
two that I had who knew I was ADHD and tried to get me diagnosed. All of the others, Kristen's a sweet girl. She's just kind of slow on the uptake. She just can't keep up with this, you know. She should work harder. Mm. Well, she's ADHD. Well, no, that's just an excuse. Mm. This professor looked at me and said, did you just say you're ADHD? And I said, yeah, yeah, but it's nothing. He goes, no, my son is ADHD. It isn't nothing. It's a disability. You need to go talk to the disability department, tell them you're ADHD, and they can help you. And he goes, and I can help you too. And he did. And that started me off on a really great path. It just wow. took that one person. Amazing. Yeah, lucky. it just takes one person. And that's, that's, that's so lucky that you had that person. Uh, like I said, I'm incredibly lucky. I really am. Yeah. And I know that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really. That just happy. shows how important it is to have somebody in your life that listens to you and, um, what is advocates? Advocates. Thank you. Advocates for you mm-hmm. and and doesn't minimize your struggles. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. You talk about uh, RSD. Is that what it mm-hmm. rejection, rejection sensitive dysphoria? Yeah, um, I think that uh, for me, and I don't, I don't have ADD, um, but I have uh, depression quite a lot, mm-hmm. and um, grew up with pretty severe anxiety, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know feeling um, like I was never good enough, even if I was the best in my class, and I was always the best in my class um, because I had to be. I was you perfectionist. Sound <laughs> a lot like my wife, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, uh, yeah, I think that you know, I think I have some of that, but I also overcompensate because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I tend to be people's cheerleaders. Uh-huh. Because I'm like, no, I know what it's like to feel like, you know, people don't really like your stuff or they don't really like you. Like I you feel fawn. like I have to mm-hmm. fawn. Is that the word? That's the word. Okay. So I fawn. Okay. Um, and I've heard that recently mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, <laughs> can you tell me what that means to fawn? So, you know, when you're fawning over somebody, um, oh my God, I love that jacket so much. Where did you get it? That's beautiful. You know, you got it from TJ Maxx. You know, it fits you perfectly. It's so good. I don't know if it fit me, but you, you know, but that's beautiful, man. You, everything you wear is great. If I just kept going, mm-hmm. that's fawning. If it's a lot of people who do the fawning thing, um, look, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I, I, I know yeah. I realize I'm talking with so much authority on a thing <laughs> that I don't have a degree in. Let's just note that. But from what I understand with fawning, it's it's 100 percent a like conflict avoidant reaction. Mm. Like you want to yeah. be, it's the I want to be everyone's friend. Mm. I want to get along. I want people to like me. I don't want them to to say that I'm bad or mean or dumb. I want them to like me and I, you're just very agreeable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes it over, a bit overbearing accidentally. <laughs> I can be, I just, I, I have to police myself sometimes because I'm the kind of friend who, I say love you to everybody all the time. I uh, have to kind of gauge myself and not try to just like big sister everything. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. You gotta let people make their own mistakes and live. Yes. Pump the brakes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that might be a little different than fawning, but fawning is just fawning on somebody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's a way to cope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have a lot of unhealthy coping mechanism mechanisms, but uh, but no, we all human. do. We're I human. Mean, yeah, we're human. Um, but that's what's so great about about various types of art. I mean, not just drawing, but uh, writing and acting and mm. making 
silly little paper puppets. Um, <laughs> They're so cute, though. <laughs> they are very cute. They're so cute. <laughs> um, it's good for you. I mean, there's something about the creative process just in general that is uh, very good for your mental health. Humans have been creating since before they had a word for it. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we make because we want to. You know, um, cave paintings, little sculptures that they find in the dirt. We've, we've always been creating, and there's got to be a reason we do it. And I do think it's just because we like to see our world and, uh, reflected. Do you have any final words for people? Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the world we live in pushes all of us to be perfect all the time. It wants us to forget our flaws, to create work, to create to only for selling. You exist for profit and that is all. But I don't think that's true. And I think that taking the time to be kind to yourself is important. And remembering that despite what the world wants you to be or do, as long as you're not hurting anybody, you're living your life, you're doing the best you can, you're doing the best you can. That's all. That's it. Mm-hmm. Same goes for art. If you're going to create something, it doesn't have to be pretty, it doesn't have to be perfect. Do it because you want to. No other reason other than you want to. And allow yourself the grace to learn and to mess up and to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, and if you are, are, if you don't like your drawings, see, so yeah, I didn't say that it, bad at it. If you don't mm-hmm. like your drawings or you don't like what you, you know, what you're creating once it's created, um, that's okay. Yeah, you know? and you can keep going. And um, it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't. You don't have to make it pretty. Put lines on paper just cause. Yep. Yeah, and it's okay if something that's not pretty still makes you feel good. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much hey, for being here. Glad to This was a lot of fun. It was a blast. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. That's today's episode, folks. Thanks for listening. Please come back next week for more Brain Weasels.